Welcome to the CEO.Digital Show. My name's Craig McCartney. And I'm Darcy Thompson-Felix. And this is an open exploration of technologies and trends straight from the C-suite. You'll hear insights that will help you better deliver results for your company and its stakeholders now and in the future. You can find out more and stay up to date at CEO.Digital. Craig, I know you're a huge F1 fan, so tell us what do you think of this interview with Matt? Darcy, it was really great to have someone of Matt's caliber on the show, you know, from Red Bull Racing CIO, and he was uh, such a lovely guest. I could really have asked him questions all day about F1, but what struck (laughs) me the most was, you know, at the end of the day, they're a team, they're using technology, and they need to collaborate, and, you know, they're using the tools that we use to get our job done on a day-to-day basis. So I thought it was interesting and really down-to-earth guy, and I I loved speaking to him. What about you? Yeah, it was fantastic. And I totally agree with you. I think especially, you know, in this time that we're in of distributed workforces, the way that they stay connected from the campus to the racetrack, there's so many lessons that we can take on how to unite our businesses digitally now. So, I mean, let's get into the interview. Let's do it. Well, welcome to the CEO.Digital show, Matt. To kick us off, can you tell us about your background and how you got into engineering and how you made your way into the Red Bull Racing team? So I think um, I founded my way into Red Bull Racing Honda. It was a bit of luck. But um, yeah, so going back many years ago, I was a chemical engineer by training. I worked um, in the petrochemical industry and there was a global crash. So about two years after graduating, I changed careers from being a chemical engineer to getting into IT. And uh, I became uh, a software developer and then worked my end of infrastructure and general management and program management. And I've, gained, I've worn a lot of different hats in the IT world, but always in the context of an engineering and manufacturing company. And um, I, when I worked for a large auto, global automotive company for 15 years, the tail end of that was being assigned to work um, in Europe and the UK. And um, so I did that for a few years. Um, and then an opportunity came to join um, F1. And, and there, because of um, having an understanding of IT and engineering, the cards just fell right. And I, I started working for what was Jaguar Racing at the time. And uh, now 18 years later, I'm still here and still very much enjoying the experience. You are CIO at Red Bull Racing, as we've just heard, and it is a good time to be CIO uh, for the team leading the Constructors' Championship, while Max is also leading the pack above uh, Lewis Hamilton and the rest. What is it like working at Red Bull Racing, and what is the buzz in the office and also the paddock at the moment? Sure. So, yeah, there's a great buzz in the company right now, and uh, leading Drivers' and Constructors' Championship is fantastic and the mood within the company very much mirrors the mood and our performance on the racetrack. So yeah, right now we're on a high, but it's a long season, it's early days and and racing has its ups and downs. So, you know, the the culture and the professionalism we have in our company is just continuously push. And so we're doing that and and leading both both championships, you know, does make it also a little easier to keep pushing as hard as we do. Amazing stuff, Matt. Thank you so much for sharing. And really great to see Red Bull Racing giving Mercedes a run for their money. 
they have uh, been at the top for far too long and i think it's time for a, a change so best of luck lots of exciting races to come but let's talk about the role at red bull racing of the cio what do you do on a day-to-day and how do you help um, support your team uh, through the use of technology, helping them to become a success? Sure. So um, so my role has a lot of similarities with uh, CIOs at more traditional companies and a few differences. So traditional responsibilities include setting the digital agenda, you know, uh, working with stakeholders to do that, um, setting technical and operational strategies, uh, building the right team, bringing the right talent into the team, securing budgets um, that allow us to invest in the areas that improve our performance, you know, building relationships with suppliers and, and sponsors. So all of those are sort of traditional things. Um, some of the differences are, um, as I get into the details, more than most CIOs. And part of that's the culture of the team. We're very lean organizationally. We wear a lot of hats. We don't have the same separation of duties that other bigger companies have. So there's a lot of deep dives into projects and operational matters. So yeah, you need to cover a broad set of topics and also do a lot of deep dives. Matt, can you tell us a little bit about how the team has evolved at Red Bull Racing? Sure. So when I joined the team 17 or 18 years ago, we were much smaller. We had about 275 people. Uh, We existed in two buildings. Um, Today, we have over 750 people in a campus that's probably quadruple the size. So not only are we larger in terms of staff and real estate, but we also have a lot more sophistication in our operations, in our infrastructure. And and really, we we exploit digital technology throughout the entire company, from design through manufacturing through racing, and the, the entire sophistication of our operations. It's orders of magnitude better than what it was at the beginning. Obviously, you know, we can't do a podcast at the moment without talking about the impact of the pandemic. Every company's been impacted. I'm interested to hear how Red Bull Racing has been impacted, you know, with the distributor workforce, um, supply chains, and just the nature of the pandemic. So, you know, COVID had a huge impact on our company, just as it has across the world. And um, historically, we've been um, traditional in that we've encouraged people to come to our factory to work rather than uh, working from home. And at any given time in the past, we had maybe a maximum of 20 concurrent remote workers. When the pandemic hit, within a two-week period, we scaled up to over 400 concurrent remote workers. And you know, thankfully, we knew how to solve the problem. Um, Citrix has been a longstanding partner of the team. And we've used Citrix technology for distributed operations between the racetrack and our HQ here in the UK. And we applied that same technology to allow us to scale up for remote working at home uh, during the pandemic. And what that really allowed us to do was uh, really make progress developing the car and uh, making progress as a company uh, by giving people great tools to work from home. And it allowed us to to not fall behind um, as a result of COVID. Fantastic. I mean, like you said, you know, it's such a highly specialized industry requiring very highly specialized equipment and the need to be connected. So, you know, how did you overcome that challenge of of trying to replicate the campus experience and connectivity for everyone in their homes? Right. So as I sort of alluded to before, we um, we've solved the problem in the past 
And at the racetrack, we have 25 engineers that actually travel to every racetrack. Mm. And we have six people at the track with, with an operational role. But we supplement that with more than 50 engineers that are based here in the UK. And so there's a lot of applications like computational fluid dynamics or CAD or ERP that are hosted here in the UK. But we allow people at the track to use it you know, using Citrix technology. And it gives trackside users you know, the experiences if they were here in the UK where things are hosted. Um, and sort of vice versa, we also host several racing-specific applications at the track, but engineers in the UK can use them as if they were at the racetrack. So the technology that we use to um, support track-to-factory uh, collaboration, we use that same technology to support working from home. So, yeah, we knew how to solve the problem. It was really a matter yeah. of scaling up. And, and for us, the biggest challenge was getting enough laptops to give to staff. Um, and then using VDIs and VDAs and Citrix technology, we were able to, you know, uh, to put those workspaces in place very quickly once we had the laptops. Fantastic. And yeah, I mean, obviously, it was great that you were able to kind of roll that out from having that distributed experience of connecting from the campus to tracks across the world. But, you know, it was obviously a very rapid transformation, you know, having to turn that around in a matter of weeks. So are there any kind of lessons from this process that you'll be taking in, into the future of work? And do you kind of see your yourselves having any more of a remote or adapted workforce going forward? So, yeah, I think when life returns to normal, our board has a, um, a decision around um, how much hybrid working do we do? Do people you know, come into the factory and do we go back to 20 people working remotely or do we allow remote working to happen at a greater scale? What we know is technically we can make remote working at scale and, and there is a management decision yet around how flexible we will be in the future. And, and I think right now um, we, we have a care of duty for staff. And what's been fantastic is during the pandemic, we've allowed people to effectively do their jobs and even using very heavyweight, graphically intensive applications like CFD or CAD. And, you know, but once, um, once things are normal and people can you know, work safely here in the factory, um, yeah, we, we, we don't know yet how, many, uh, how much remote working we will allow. And then looking at the sort of supply chain elements of the pandemic, you know, your relationship with Honda, how does sourcing things like new engines impact the team and, and how, you know, what does the IT infrastructure need to evolve to be able to support that? Yeah, so we've already had um, you know, great network connections with our supply chain and AT&T is another partner of the team and we use their global network and also some Citrix technology on top of that. And um, we have 300 suppliers that are electronically connected to the team. And we had a lot of that in place before the pandemic, but we made greater use of that you know, as people were working from home. So yeah, we were lucky that we had a lot of expertise and a lot of infrastructure in place to do distributed working. And we really leveraged that during the pandemic to carry on with our operations. And I also wanted to touch on, I mean, you know, it's great that you've been able to stay connected, but I wonder how much uh, security has been an issue. Obviously, one of Red Bull Racing's crown jewels must be its IP. And, you know, to what extent is security a consideration for you? And, and how do you balance that with the needs of the team to be both agile and responsive? 
yeah, security is a big consideration and a major challenge. Yeah. And, uh, and so we face you know, all the, the, the threats of disruption that most companies do, and they're growing, where you read more and more about ransomware attacks, for example, in the press every week. So we, we face all the challenges business in general faces. And we also, though, have a lot of very sensitive intellectual property. We work in a very competitive and incestuous industry. And um, so getting the balance right between keeping everything secure but not slowing down the, the, the speed of operations in the company. It's a really difficult set of trade-offs. And uh, so we work with, um, with the partners of the team and to discuss the art of the possible and to really put in appropriate controls that protect us whilst also allowing us to, to be agile. But managing that is an ongoing challenge and, um, and it will be for the foreseeable future. And then, Matt, can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what happens on race weekend in terms of the split between the factory and then the, the team that's working on the track? Are they, I mean, are you using your, that network, as you mentioned, through AT&T? Is that the way you guys stay in touch? And, and how do you stay connected, um, you know, on those sort of race weekends when the team is split, but also then the day-to-day? Is that just through teams and, and those sorts of programs like that? Yeah, so during a race weekend, there's huge collaboration between people at the racetrack and people here um, on our campus in the UK. And and so at, at the racetrack itself, there's 25 engineers. There's our key um, executives uh, or technical authorities that sit on the pit wall. There's people doing parts and logistics and mechanics building the cars and also marketing staff that are working with our partners and guests. So all of those people are not working in a vacuum. They're also working with infrastructure and people here in Milton Keynes in the UK. So you know, having a wide area network that's very capable is really key to allow that collaboration and interaction. And then using Citrix, where you can um, have application and uh, applications that are virtualized that even at another level of optimization really allows um, users to have a great experience and to be productive in what they do. So, yeah, it's really key to be able to exchange um, information quickly and um, everything at the racetrack, you know, the car moves fast, but then also the speed at which we need to make decisions moves fast and having a capable network is, is really key. And where can we find you on a race weekend? Are you, are you traveling with the team? Um, I travel to a few races a year to keep the finger on the pulse to see what's happening. But as far as having an operational role during the races, um, I don't, uh, but people on, on the IT team do. But it's important that I stay in touch, um, that I have confidence that we're providing the right service, and that also I'm forming opinions around where can we invest, where, where can we improve. Mm. So in general, um, we very rarely have a major operational issue. Um, if there is one, of course, there's escalation routes, and I'm involved in the detail. But knock on wood, that that's a rare occurrence, and <laughs> and usually I'm in observation mode and and just engaging with stakeholders at the track to see how IT can provide a better service going forward. Fantastic, and you touched on it slightly earlier, Matt, and we talked about how this kind of period of rapid transformation through a distributed workforce, you know, how that's going to affect you from a remote working perspective. But I wondered if, if kind of that agility and that experience of transformation is also inspiring any other projects of innovation for your team at Red Bull. So 
I think um, innovation and pushing boundaries, it's in the DNA of the team. And, um, and it's what we do ultimately in the sport, whether it's developing the car, having tools and simulations to make better decisions on the racetrack or having faster infrastructure that allows us to do more number crunching or to have better networks to communicate in a better manner. We've, we're continuously pushing boundaries. Mm. And let's talk a little bit about those simulations from a sort of cloud setup, you know, in terms of the capacity. I mean, I can imagine that's a lot of data. Um, and, you know, how has the cloud helped you uh, in, in terms of scaling and in terms of uh, operating and running those simulations? Sure. We have, um, we have a hybrid environment. And so we do a lot on-prem where we do big, big heavyweight simulations but we also burst into the cloud. And when we need extra capacity, it allows us to, to get the capacity we require. And we have um, uh, financial regulations in our sport, and it actually has impacted our cloud strategy to some, to some extent. And um, the team actually has an OpEx budget cap, and it's a highly constrained resource. So, so doing cloud at scale is all an OpEx number and we need to be very careful around uh, managing our overall OpEx costs. So for that reason, we, we have a large on-prem base as well as supplementing and bursting um, into the cloud. So we're hybrid, I think, over time. We'll continue to be even more hybrid and have more cloud adoption. But because of the cost caps, it does limit some of the areas where we can use cloud. And your, I'm, I'm, I'd be curious to see what your on-prem, I mean, I, I'm not obviously going to see it, but is your data center, your on-prem data center, is it as shiny and as impressive as your the buildings that you, you create at the races? Yeah, they're immaculate. Um, so you <laughs> go in and it's white floor, white white racks, white, white, uh, white roof. Nice. It's very clean. Fantastic. I mean, you know, you touched on the simulation a little bit there and, and kind of the way you're using things like machine learning to help, uh, you know, help improve these and, and run scenarios. I mean, I'm sure you can't get into very specific use cases, but I'd love to hear more about the innovations that you're working on and how that's feeding in, into uh, the improvement of Red Bull strategy. Yeah. So I think, unfortunately, a lot of our projects here are, are sensitive and I can't go into detail, but at a high level, what I can say is we're working with Oracle, one of our key partners, to raise the bar and to really leverage AI and machine learning technology to allow us to make better decisions and hopefully quicker decisions than our direct competitors. And there's several projects that sort of fall under that 500,000 foot level of banner excited to see the results of those and uh, I mean you also mentioned earlier kind of the the budget caps and I know the cost caps in in F1 are, are a hindrance for all of the teams particularly this season in terms of putting a, a cap on your innovation and creativity but as you mentioned Red Bull Racing very agile loves a problem so how are you kind of you know overcoming that or you know utilizing this reduced budget to still foster innovation and deliver results for the team? So I think what it's forced us to do is um, be very focused in where we invest. So really identifying where are the biggest potential areas and then just how can we work in the most efficient way possible and, you know, and take advantage of the opportunities available in the regulations, but being very, very careful in, in, in where we spend money. 
and I think being able to step back and have critical thinking and also uh, for departments rather than departments beating each other up for budgets, working together as a team yeah. to figure out how do we you know, optimize what we spend as a team. Um, we're, we're approaching it as a, as a team challenge. And there's a lot of smart people here, a lot of creative people here. And um, so, you know, we're figuring out how do we get the most bang for the buck within the regulations. Um, and, and then there are also part of the business that are unregulated. So, for example, we have an advanced technology department. Um, Red Bull is starting up. Uh, we have a powertrains uh, uh, company now, Red Bull Powertrains. And so we're investing in these new areas, and there are areas that are not affected by um, the F1 cost caps. So IT is a center of expertise, and we need to support all the different areas across our campus. From a, a technology perspective, I'm, I'm quite interested to know, you know, so if you looked at um, some, like some of your competitors, I know would utilize some of the tech and the innovations in the, into the cars that are on the road today. And I know you have a partnership with Honda. Are you doing similar things? And is the tech going into some of those cars? And or where do you see the other sort of industries using the, the, infl- well, the innovations that you, you guys are creating over there? Yeah, so I, I think Honda, um, they do a lot of R&D on the power units. How much of that actually finds its way into a road car? Um, I'm not the authority who can really um, say that. But what is interesting is from an um, IT point of view, uh, we have a great uh, stable of partners, and, and, and we work um, with several of our partners where we're on uh, product steering teams. Uh, we're looking at alpha and beta software, for example. We're pushing boundaries uh, with simulation codes and, and, and other codes or with Citrix with collaboration and, and workspace um, software. And, um, and we give very, very blunt feedback of around what works, what doesn't work. And, and we're helping to hopefully improve technology. And by being a guinea pig, it means we get the advantage of being early adopters, um, but also it's got spinoff um, on, on improving those products for the, the mainstream market. And do you do you see ca- the cars getting much faster over the years? I know like everyone's job within a team such as yours is to shave you know, milliseconds off, you know, and every time you shave one off, it's a, it's a good result. So. You know, are they going to get much faster or are we at the sort of the limits to what these cars can do? I think they, they get faster and, and, and throughout the season, um, the car is actually an evolving prototype where we're designing changes and impl- you know, designing and making parts for specific races. So that's in the, what F1 does. Um, it's an engineering battle as much as it is a driver's challenge. So I think that will continue where they get faster throughout the season. And then the FIA, um, who uh, regulates and manages the sport, they also issue new regulations from season to season. And in order to keep uh, drivers, fans, and people at the track safe, they sometimes put in technical regulations that slow the cars down. And so it's stepped several steps forward, a yeah. step back with a regulatory reason, steps forward, and, <laughs> and that just carries on. Yes, they just they keep on holding you back. <laughs> and in, yeah. in terms of the development of the new cars, I, I always wonder you when when do you start looking at the next car? At what point in the season is is that being worked on simultaneously with the, the you know the improvements to the current car? Like you said, it's an evolution. Yeah. So it depends um, year on year. So it's getting uh, the balance right 
where if there's something to fight for in the current season, you keep resources longer on, on the current season. If there's not much to fight for, then you put them into the next year. And, and making that decision varies year on year. And, um, and that's not an IT challenge. That's one for um, Christian Horner, who runs the team, <laughs> and for our technical director. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's an annual discussion. Great. Thanks, Matt. Perfect. Um, before we move on to our kind of quick fire round, um, I just wanted to check, Matt. We mentioned it was something I've, I've totally forgotten about, but when we were catching up last week, uh, you talked to something about, you mentioned a NASA grade setup. Um, I can't remember if that was in reference to something on the campus or some of the kind of remote technology you're setting up. Yeah, sure. So we have an operations room here in our factory in Milton Keynes, and it's theater style seating and, and sort of the architecture or setup of the room is similar to the NASA ops room in Houston. And, and so there's um, engineers that have assigned seats and specialists, you know, strategy guys, aerodynamics guys, vehicle dynamics guys, et cetera, that are in different areas in the room. They have two monitors each. They all have special applications for their area of responsibility, um, and they're connected in real time to the racetrack. So they're receiving telemetry, audio, video. They have communication lines to engineers and mechanics at the track. And so this ops room allows um, up to 50 people in the UK in real time to participate in activities on the racetrack. Incredible. I love that. Well, thanks so much, Matt. We just want to finish off with a few uh, quick, slightly more lighthearted questions that we do like to ask of all our guests. So I would like to kick off by asking you sort of in a few words, what is it that, you know, how would you describe what you do versus what your family think you do versus what your boss thinks you do? <laughs> um I actually think they're all fairly well aligned. They'll all say I work long hours. And, um, and, and so my boss knows that digital technology is um, really key to the operation of the team. Um, he doesn't care about the details. He just wants to know it works and that we're pushing boundaries and, and leveraging technology. And, and he thinks we, we do a good job. Um, and I think me being here 17 or 18 years is probably a, a testament to that. A good sign, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's my boss. Uh, my wife knows I work long hours and, um, and knows that um, I'm, I'm CIO. She, again, doesn't care about the details and probably finds them as, as boring or even more boring than Christian does. And, um, <laughs> uh, and then colleagues... Um, you know, I'm part of the team and, um, you know, and, and established and, um, you know, and pull my weight. And depending on who you ask, some would say I pull my weight more than others, probably. <laughs> and your favorite circuit, your favorite race circuit? So the one that is iconic from just um, the atmosphere and, you know, and the history is probably Monaco. And, and you go there. Um, the thing that's really cool is you start your day many times on a boat going from the hotel um, into um, where the team is located. So it's a great way to, you know, to start and finish the day. Um, and just you've got the iconic background and, and just all the buzz that's happening there. Yeah, uh, It's not always the best racing because it's sort of a, a procession, but as far as just the, you know, the, the, the spectacle of it, it's the biggest spectacle. 
Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, so outside of, of work slightly, Matt, what's your guilty technology pleasure? Yeah, so I've, at, at home, I've got quite a few gadgets. Um, I've got a, a great AV system. And uh, so for, for movies, music, you know, high quality sound um, and graphics um, in pretty much every room throughout the house. It must be very stressful to work for um, a Formula One team, especially one of the leading ones. What do you do to switch off and relax and just unwind? Yeah, so I like to get outside. Um, I live in the countryside <laughs> and uh, doing a nice walk or getting on the bike, um, going to a pub um, and then making my way back. So some fresh air, enjoying the countryside is probably the, the best way of unwinding. And then um, yeah, we work hard, but we also do take the occasional holiday and uh, going somewhere nice and, you know, and, and de-stressing um, is also quite important. And when do you go to the pubs, if, do people find out that you work for Red Bull Racing and then do they ever leave you alone once they do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the local, uh, I live um, in a tiny village with one pub and the guy who runs the pub is, um, is a huge F1 fan. <laughs> and, um, and I just tell them, Rob, enough's enough. <laughs> <laughs> no more questions, please. Yeah, sometimes you, you like to talk about it, but there's limits where you want to switch off to. Exactly. Thank you very much, Matt. It was really good to speak to you. I, I could have been uh, like the guys in the pub and carried on asking you lots of questions, but maybe another time. We really appreciate your time, though. Thank you. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. No problem at all. To our listeners, I hope you all enjoyed this conversation as much as Craig and I did. Um, if you did, please do rate, review and subscribe uh, wherever you choose to listen to these fantastic podcasts. Thank you for your time. Goodbye.